the reality is that you're right, blockchain won't be the solution to every problem. And one of the biggest challenges we face here at Capgemini at the moment is basically sitting down with our clients and articulating what the use case is and how we can utilize blockchain to actually deliver value, whether that's value to, to customers or value to the business or whether that's just automating processes within the business. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear blockchain? For most people, it's Bitcoin, but we need to separate the technology from the platform and its use cases. It's easy to forget that Bitcoin is just one application of a new technology. In some ways, it's analogous to the early days of the internet, when Hotmail was an exciting new discovery and the internet was synonymous with email. Welcome to the second episode of the Applied Innovation Podcast, brought to you by Capgemini's Applied Innovation Exchange. My name is Frank Wannes, I'm the Chief Technology Officer for Capgemini Europe. And today, I am in a fortunate situation to be joined by John Paul Thorbjörnsen, co-founder of Kanya, a blockchain-based startup from Australia, and Duncan Cameron, our resident blockchain expert from the Applied Innovation Exchange in Melbourne. JP and Duncan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us on board. We're, we're really excited to chat to you today. I was really looking forward to it. Well, I would like to start off with a question to you, Duncan. Most of you and most of the audience uh, that are listening to this podcast are quite familiar with blockchain or would have at least read about it. But just to make sure that everybody is on the same page, could you give a quick refresher, Duncan, on what blockchain really entails? Sure. Thanks, Frank. So blockchain is basically a distributed ledger system that secures data or transactions via cryptographic links or, or blocks that are all joined together in a chain. Now, new blocks of data are kind of continuously added onto the chain, allowing participants in the blockchain to update information, as well as verify and trace all the transactions that have previously been lodged onto the network. So in summary, it basically allows multiple parties that may not necessarily trust each other to transact and exchange information via a decentralized network without the need for a third party to verify that information. Well, that's a very cool uh, and short description. What is the trigger why it's such a hype at this moment? Do you think, Duncan? Uh, good question. I mean, obviously, most of our listeners may have heard of Bitcoin, the very infamous Bitcoin. Um, which kind of exploded in the last few years in terms of hype, speculation, and, of course, value. Um, and I think it wasn't until people started taking notice of blockchain as a technology um, and started exploring its use cases beyond just a, a payment system, which is what Bitcoin is, but seeing where else we can implement blockchains to kind of securely transact and verify information exchange between parties. Well, thanks, Duncan. Uh, I think it's a very good uh, explanation. And and that brings me to what Kanye is doing. JP, could you tell us more about your company, your background, and what exactly attracted you to this field of blockchain? Awesome. Thanks, Frank. Uh, we are creating a decentralized ecosystem for the gig economy. So in one very quick way, you can say it's the gig economy powered by the gig economy. Because we believe by using decentralized technologies powered by blockchain, we can reduce the operating costs of a marketplace to almost negligible amounts. And by using cryptocurrencies, the, we can facilitate or the platform can facilitate a medium of exchange between two parties paying for services in a very trustless and permissionless way. And the end result is basically 
a marketplace, an online marketplace like Upwork, but it runs by itself. It runs through rules that have been published onto the blockchain, which govern how value flows between participants of the ecosystem. And it also allows anyone in a permissionless way to stake tokens into the network, which is an economic value, and become aligned with the marketplace, the ecosystem, and help contribute to the maintenance, upkeep, and operational support of the platform. And this is has never been done before, and it's because for the first time ever we've been able to solve the tragedy of the commons, which is a well-known uh, phenomena where if you give a group of people who may or may not know each other a shared resource, then everyone should naturally act in their own self-interest. And very quickly, the shared resource is is used and it's and depleted. It's called the tragedy of the commons. Now, in Kenya, we commit value to the ecosystem, which becomes the resource. But because the rules of the resource are already predefined and can run without any rulers, it actually encourages everyone to continue to act in their own self-interest but now their self-interest aligned with that of the ecosystem. So for the first time ever, we've been able to solve the tragedy of the commons by using blockchain technology. And this is most interesting for me and most motivational for the team as well to know that we're creating something that previously could never have been built before. And that's what mainly drives us and excites us. For interesting, I have only recently in the last two years been involved in building businesses on blockchain. Um, I was actually an Air Force pilot and an engineer for the previous uh, 12 years. Uh, but I've been a Bitcoin adopter for sort of five years now. And uh, Bitcoin allowed me to see how, for the first time ever, we can redefine what the value is and redefine the rules around by which value can be transmitted. So that got me in to cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And certainly Satoshi Nakamoto's original white paper was most definitely a redefinition of electronic cash, digital cash between two peers with no intermediaries. And that philosophy still underlines and underwrites what we're building with Kenya, that there are no intermediaries and it's completely peer-to-peer. And that's where we are today. So very excited to be part of this industry about very excited to be building something that had been built before, and uh, that's what we're doing. It's really interesting because actually this is the second time this week that I'm talking to a former Air Force uh, uh, pilot. Uh, the, the beginning of the week, I had a conversation with a, a guy who's now in a startup on drones and who basically wants to make sure that uh, uh, through very simple apps you, they, you will get more regulation and more insights on uh, on drone delivery, etc. So uh, isn't the case that perhaps if you're up in the sky, you have a better overview of what's happening and that therefore all these great ideas are coming from Air Force pilots? Or what is it, JP, with, uh, with people in the Air Force? <laughs> uh, we... We like to question and challenge our surroundings, but uh, we, and obviously to be a pilot, you have to be very focused and be ready to take on any challenge. And certainly uh, the industry that we're in is definitely nothing short of challenging 
Uh, nothing is very little is defined. There's very few rule books to to go by. So I think we just gravitate towards the challenge of the industry. Oh, that's uh, that's very interesting. Well, I've got another question. There seems to be a little bit of confusion around the different types of blockchain. The Bitcoin blockchain, for example, is probably the most popular and distributed public blockchain in operation, but there are also other private blockchains which are really becoming popular in the enterprise, like Walmart and DHL. Duncan, can you tell us a bit about the types of blockchains you are exploring with your clients? Sure. Thanks, Frank. Um, yeah, this this divide between kind of public and private blockchains is a very interesting one. And a lot of our clients that come to us come with kind of a misconception. Everything they're going to put on the blockchain is going to be publicly broadcasted and everyone's going to be able to see it. Obviously, that's a concern for a lot of large businesses that are dealing with um, sensitive or confidential information. So the key difference is in public blockchains, anyone is allowed to read the content and anyone is allowed to write to the blockchain by operating a node, which means they're contributing to the network's consensus protocol. This also introduces the concept of pseudo-anonymous participants because effectively all you need is a computer and an IP address and you can become part of these public blockchain networks. In contrast, we have private blockchains. Now, the, dif the key difference is the actors or the participants in the network are already known to everyone else in the network. So when the authorized participants can read and write information to the blockchain. So the solutions we're predominantly exploring at the moment, clients are very much focused on these private blockchains, purely because they are often dealing with sensitive or confidential information. And so we see private blockchains or, or what's known as consortium blockchains as having a really strong value proposition to connect various parties that may exist within, um, within a particular industry or particular business model. And these parties have to kind of communicate with each other, whether that's within the business or outside the business. And when I talk about communicating with each other, I'm talking about all kinds of industries from logistics, supply chain management, um, provenance tracking, any real area where you have multiple parties that need to verify information that's exchanged between them. Uh, and blockchain provides the ability to do that in a secure and, and immutable way. Can you give me some examples of, of applications? So is it in the, in, in the supply chain or is it... In, different kind of forms. Can you give give some examples of applications that you are exploring with clients? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, one of the key ones we talk about um, is in kind of retail goods and consumer goods. Um, if you've ever had a discussion with me, I may have brought up the example of running out of milk at home, for example. You have this kind of intersection of IoT, um, sensory data, and of course, blockchain technology. Um, the common scenario is your consumer comes downstairs in the morning to make their morning coffee or cereal, and they open the fridge and they've run out of milk. Using a combination of IoT, um, a private blockchain network, and smart contracts, smart contracts are basically self-executing protocols that exist on the blockchain, if anyone's not familiar with them. And we can use these IoT sensors to basically firstly detect when your milk's running low. Um, that sensory data can then be fed through directional channels via a blockchain to your local supplier, informing them that the customers run out of milk, they need more milk. That milk can then be delivered directly to your doorstep also by executing a smart contract. And then upon delivery, a smart contract can be used to then um, finalize and execute settlement payment to the supplier. Now, all of this can occur in real time without the customer needing to actually do anything or be aware that they've run out of milk. 
And additionally, blockchain provides full traceability. So there is an immutable record of every single event in that cycle happening, right from when you first realize you're out of milk, or perhaps don't even realize you're out of milk, your senses do it, right to the milk being replaced in your fridge before you even get home. Uh, in summary, huge potential in terms of automation, transparency, and certainly creating a very unique customer experience. Well, that, that, that's indeed a very good example, but I have a critical question. To what extent are we not looking like, you know, blockchain is the answer to any problem, or is this something that through automation you already could have done as well? So what's the value of blockchain? That's a very good question. Um, and again, a lot of the clients we speak to come in with a lot of kind of preconceptions about what blockchain can do, what blockchain can't do. Um, and I agree that to an extent, a lot of that is driven right now by kind of hype and speculation, particularly riding off the coattails of Bitcoin. Um, the reality is that you're right. Blockchain won't be the solution to every problem. And one of the biggest challenges we face here at Capgemini at the moment is basically sitting down with our clients and articulating what the use case is and how we can utilize blockchain to actually deliver value, whether that's value to, to customers or value to the business or whether that's just automating processes within the business. So, yes, I agree it's a real challenge, um, but given the technology is still very much in its infancy, the biggest challenge we have is working with our clients and with our wider partners to try and articulate those use cases and then find where the real value um, or where, where the real value is. Yeah, what you already said, Ed, it's the traceability and the irreversible uh, character of the blockchain that, that when trust is in place, then probably blockchain will be a very dominant uh, element in the solution, I think. Absolutely. So, so JP, you gave already uh, the, the, the explanation that you're building the, the platform, but in what kind of use cases do you see your platform being used? What, what are the things that you are currently working on? That's a good question. So one of the main problems with blockchain and cryptocurrency at the moment is the user experience and onboarding into the platform. It's, it's very hard at the moment because the infrastructure is so new for new people who are not familiar with cryptocurrency to enter the ecosystem without a lot of friction being created. So whilst at the same time we're building out infrastructure will allow uh, us to help take cryptocurrencies mainstream and the benefits of cryptocurrencies mainstream, we, uh, we need to focus on people right now who are familiar with crypto and that's um, a flagship marketplace is can work which is a marketplace built for digital freelancers, developers, designers, virtual assistants, who are already very familiar with cryptocurrencies and technology. Uh, but we are also intent on building marketplaces for a number of other different um, platforms, such as decentralized um, marketplaces for recruiting. Um, we're about to launch another platform called CanSeek, which allows anyone to become their own recruiter and for companies to put up bounties to attach, uh, to attract uh, recruiters. So, but we won't stop there. We want, we believe, um, and we there's certainly a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that people like to work for themselves rather than the, the old industrial revolution nine to five job that we've become used to. And so, people, more and more people, and studies said that 40% of America in the next five years is going to migrate towards freelancing and the gig economy such as Uber, Airbnb, et cetera, et cetera. And we want to be, be part of that. We want to build a platform that allows people to um, work in a freelance or role or the gig economy, but 
to not be ripped off by fears, to retain control of the data and the wealth and their identity, and to communicate and trade the time and skills for anyone in the world in a permissionless, global, borderless uh, marketplace. And that would mean, so, so what would that mean is that by, you know, the, the, the payment towards the freelancers or uh, also with the smart contracts on what are the conditions that we're going to work in? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. So we, the platform is designed so that it onboards basically any skill or service, uh, but each vertical is tuned and optimized for each service. So the, the marketplace that we build for recruiters is going to be different to the marketplace that's built for designers and developers. But anyone can join. It's permissionless. And we certainly see our technology being used for practically any marketplace, like local tasks, or if you sell artwork in a local environment, that our marketplace can serve that. Sharing of, of homes, sharing of office spaces, Basically, any any good skill or service that can be shared, and that there's a, a medium of value transfer, then the Kenya infrastructure is appropriate and great to use. And the rules of the smart contracts that power the platform are mainly around the transfer of value, so that the value of a job that is agreed is locked up by the blockchain or escrowed by the blockchain before the job being done, and that the escrow is not released or can only be released by the uh, by the client when the job has been done to their satisfaction. And all of this is governed by the blockchain. It's very interesting because that is then also like an, an, an enabler for the sharing economy almost. You can have all different kind of applications where if, if sharing is a key part of uh, of the business model, then the blockchain will enable a smoother settlement of the values. Is, is that a good uh, interpretation? Exactly. Yeah, you, I th- we definitely agree, and that's that is definitely the vision that that there should be no limit to what you can share and what you can transfer value around. Uh, this is really cool, and it comes actually back to a uh, article that i read by uh, by uh, an analyst who said like you know 10 years ago we had this uh, garden called the perfect storm with mobile and cloud and data and social which if you look at the the the, the merge or the mashup of those technologies that led to the ubers the airbnbs the, the slacks like you know all the all the unicorns that we that we now know basically were made possible because we had this mashup of these new technologies. Now, if I look at, and and that's the argument that he made, is like, you know, we are now in another perfect storm where now we've got blockchain, we've got IoT, we've got uh, AI, perhaps even, you know, the the mixed reality in it. Um, what, What kind of companies do you think, or what kind of value proposition will this combination bring? Um, do you have any prediction? Because he, he actually said, like, you know, we're now going to find out. But but do you see value of indeed meshing up these kind of technologies and drive new business propositions? Yeah, I think it's very clear for me that we, with blockchain technology and tokenized um, assets and, and, t- and the tokenized economy, that we're going to see new business models. We're going to see business models that don't require uh the collection and selling of data that don't require 
to trans to, to require your money to be transferred via centralized accounting and uh, commissions, heavy commissions taken on top of that. Um, we can see business models around where machines talk to each other, where there's more of the uh, implementation of programmable money, where we, for, for everything that you buy and sell today, for all of us, we make that decision. But in the next five or 10 years, we are going to give our machines permission to make buy, sell, and transfer value decisions with the rules that we give them. And a very good example of this is as a, and this actually draws to your last, but if I see that in the future, if you wanted to overtake someone, you would put your car on, on James Bond mode and it would overtake everyone on its path, but it would pay them to overtake if it's, if it came across a slow car and I'll just pay them a dollar and move around them and away they go. So we're going to tell our machines to, to act on our behalf and make more decisions around value. But then the next question is, once we give our machines access to value and programmable money, uh, we're going to teach them, are they going to experience characteristics like greed, like cheating, like uh, theft? Are our machines going to steal from us? Because once they gain the notion of what is value, and if you think about humans and, and the, the psycho, psychological uh, drive it, motivated for us, we are generally 99% of the world is generally motivated to economic gain. So once we teach our machines the value and how to gain economically, is this going to, is this going to cause singularity where suddenly our machines become greedy and want to take over the world and, and it leads to epic amounts of inflation and growth, but it's not driven through us, it's driven through our machines. These are all very exciting and interesting questions to answer. Yeah, yeah, and and I hope on a positive outcome. As Elon Musk says, I hope the machines are nice to us. Uh, yeah. I, I, by the way, really like the example that you gave on the James Bond car because although perhaps some of the listeners will think what 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 a strange example, uh, I'm also involved in a in an organization that that stimulates the innovation in mobility. And actually, if you look at uh, truck platooning, so where the trucks are driving behind each other. One of the major difficulties that they see is that the one who is riding up front will always use the most uh, oil. So, so there there is no incentive for the one to be up front. And actually, I think uh, the example that you gave is a good example on how we can solve that. So, if if there is a tr- a, a platoon of trucks that, based on uh, on the usage of the of the of the gasoline. Uh, the, the the system uh, and the, re- the interactive system can basically determine like you know what is the value exchange that the different trucks need to have with each other in order to have an equal uh, cost parameter uh, whilst all having the benefit of driving in a in a in a platoon and and if we can't solve that and I think this is actually a very good example of how you how you stated that the blockchain will help. Uh, th- this is actually the things that we need to solve in order to get this autonomous, uh, you know, platoon trucking kind of mechanism into place. So I really like that example. Duncan, do you have some any perspectives on what you think of this mashup of technology will will go bring uh, bring uh, our society? Yeah, thanks, Frank. Um, I'm careful because because we can open up a whole can of worms on this area, which could go well beyond. Um, the scope of this podcast, you could probably chat for hours about it. Um, but two things I will add, um, um, if, if you don't know, I'm actually also a lawyer and come from a legal background. 
Um, and the legal industry is obviously set for a huge shakeup with the advent of not just blockchain, but also smart contracts in general and this, and this kind of principle that, that code is law. And so you can execute transactions on the principle that you can rely not on lawyers or written text or kind of the English word, but rely on hard-coded rules to execute transactions, to distribute assets, to, um, you know, to drive your autonomous car even. And you rely on blockchain to provide all that data for that to actually happen. Um, one of the prime examples I think of is obviously distribution of estates. If anyone's had the pleasure of dealing with wills and estates, you'll be fam you'll probably be aware that the process can be quite lengthy and and difficult and obviously quite expensive. Um, blockchain can obviously digitize a lot of that distribution process. Um, it provides a single source of truth to verify firstly the contents and declaration of your will, but also distribute everything from your significant savings, titles, deeds to properties, um, any other various assets you can tokenize and distribute almost instantly um, at the point of death, which which vastly speeds up and also provides a, a, a new level of transparency and authenticity to, to distribution of assets. Um, of course, this isn't just confined to wills, but extends to all kinds of industries that may require some form of moving or distribution of assets. Um, the second point I'll add is, is which... JP is obviously very familiar with, um, particularly having worked with Kenya myself. Um, it's kind of fundamental to their business model is this shift from business models that serve shareholders to business models that serve stakeholders. And the ability to use tokens, whether it's utility tokens or, or, or cryptocurrencies or otherwise, provides a method for businesses to construct business models that rely on the co-creation of value amongst participants within a network rather than the traditional method of serving shareholders and ensuring your profits are, you know, gradually increasing. The ability to kind of align those interests by circulating a native token, for example, whatever it may be, opens the floodgates to whole new business models and whole new ways um, of working and engaging with customers. Yeah, that's uh, some other really good examples. And and I do agree, like, you know, we, we can talk for hours in, in this, this singularity kind of world uh, that's flying ahead for us, but we don't have that time. Uh, Dever, I would like to come back and, and, and ask you one more question. And the question uh, is where to start? And actually, I was in, uh, in the ONS in Stavanger. It's the largest oil and gas conference uh, in, in Europe. And I spoke with a guy and he said, but where do I start now? You know, should I start from the business issue or should I just start exploring from, uh, okay, you know, just take blockchain and what can I do with it? And, and, and Duncan, from the applied innovation exchange, what would be your advice? And, and then also perhaps together with, with JP, because I think you, you work and collaborate together with JP in that setting as well. What would be your advice to clients to start exploring? Should they just take the technology and look for opportunities? Or is it, you know, first come with a very big business issue that you have and see if blockchain is relevant? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I would always recommend that users uh, or anyone new to blockchain start off by reading the Bitcoin white paper, which is at bitcoin.org slash bitcoin.pdf, because it really contains some fundamentally timeless concepts around what a blockchain is. And then as Duncan was discussing about before, that uh, public blockchains are very different to uh, private or permission blockchains in what uh, what they're trying to achieve and the end goal. And uh, currently at the moment, blockchain is a very esoteric industry where it's 
so hard to understand. It takes months to wrap your head around the concepts and, and the opportunity. But I would like to stress that there is a huge opportunity to play, and it is definitely worth the investment of your time into understanding those core concepts. Um, and as Duncan alluded to, blockchain doesn't solve all problems. It's very good at solving a subset of those problems. So I think the biggest thing for new users and new employment of these, this technology in the space is to really define what a blockchain should be doing rather than what it shouldn't be doing and then building an ecosystem around that. What do you think, Duncan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, drawing on some of my experience working in the Melbourne AIE with some of our clients in the blockchain space, obviously, as I mentioned before, blockchain won't solve every problem. Um, and in fact, a lot of the clients we speak to are having trouble articulating where they know blockchain is an exciting new innovative technology. They want to kind of get their hands on it as fast as possible. But then we need to kind of slow down a little bit and just articulate what the business case actually is um, and where the value is for our clients and actually building a blockchain and where we can kind of shift or or pivot their business model to now include this new this new piece of technology. Um, and a lot of those kind of situations will involve integrating current architecture. Your cloud solutions won't disappear. Your ERP solutions won't disappear, for example. Um, but there are definitely avenues now where we can find niches to start building blockchains with our clients or even just working on proof of concepts to start to articulate where the value is in implementing a blockchain and how we can start shifting our businesses into a new way of working and a way of utilizing this technology now and into the future. Excellent. Some great insights and new insights and perspectives again from this podcast. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, JP, if people want to know more about your company or want to have more interaction with you, where can they find you on the social media? Absolutely. Just search for Kenya, head to kenya.io or check out our new marketplace app called canwork.io and you can catch me as at JP Thor on most uh, Twitter, Reddit, Medium, uh, LinkedIn. Oh, excellent. Duncan, if people want to have more information around the Applied Innovation Exchange or the things you're doing on blockchain, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um, obviously, reach out to myself, Duncan Cameron, on LinkedIn. Otherwise, we have a growing blockchain community here in Melbourne and in Australia at Capgemini, so just reach out to our socials and you should be able to find us. Well, excellent. Well, my name is Frank Wammers. You can find me on fwammers on uh, both LinkedIn and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you gained more insights into blockchain. And if you have more uh, questions, please reach out to my guests. And if you have suggestions or questions for other kind of topics for next podcast, also please interact with us and we love to hear from you for next time. This is the Applied Innovation Podcast brought to you by Capgemini's Applied Innovation Exchange. 